Hello and welcome to Now That's What I Call Radio. We're here, uh, episode 18. Dang. 18. I mean, we This would- is officially where the underage jokes stop. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're no longer a minor. <laughs> and ironically, I don't think it's a landmark episode. Yeah, probably not. No, this one will not be remembered in the books. I mean, I mean, <laughs> being an adult, that's overrated. I mean, okay, it's confusing because you get certain privileges at 18 and then others at 21. Like, which one do you think is the real adult leap? 21 is just drinking. 18 is like, you're no longer a minor. So that's like way more. So are you saying 18 is the real leap? Yeah. That's- no, 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 no. Guys. The real leap is 25, where they let you rent cars without insane insurance policies. Okay, that's that's not... <laughs> I can't really argue You're that. not an adult if you can't rent a car. <laughs> I'm not an adult. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Renting a car and then just driving the whole United, United States, that's something I've definitely wanted to do for a while now. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a meme, and it's kind of a good meme to have as a dream, because it is something that you can put off until you're 25. I, I really think I'm going to make that one happen. I hope to. I and, really do. And when it does, and I check into some motel in California, I'm going to be listening to Lo-Fi Levi, just like Logan said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, we're here. Um, those of you watching the live feed, we are few in numbers. It's it's just brothers these days. It, it, it appears as such. However, we actually have two homies on the line with us. We have Damon, who joined us last week, and... Hey. Uh, Yep, and we got Logan. So, you know, we would be here in person, but technically we're not supposed to, so we're going to be good about it, you know? And so here we are, Skype, but the show must go on. Good Lord, Damon, you're practically a co-host at this point. (laughs) Yeah, two weeks. I mean, few have made it to two. Few have made it to two. Well, I think, the thing that scares me is two weeks in a row. Yeah, two consecutive. That's the big deal. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, Chill with it, man. Because, um, you know, Zach had his infamous latency show, <laughs> and then they <laughs> right. came back. The forgotten episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nate has done more than one, but not consecutively. Yeah, well, we hope Damon's going to hang with us. He uh, actually picked the album this week. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good springboard. Let's get things started. You know, fan response to Damon was just so overwhelmingly positive that we knew we had to bring him back for yeah. a continued storyline. Yeah, yeah, we tried Damon out on a on a uh, a studio audience, closed doors type, get the reviews type <laughs> stuff. He passed. He did, he he more than passed. They said they weren't coming back if Damon wasn't on the show. Yeah, they they actually told us oh, to get rid of Logan. No more Logan. Oh. <laughs> so i'm gonna just drop this ball right Damon. here and we were like well well we don't want to make logan feel bad yeah we had to we had to calm the fans down you know we were like hold on like there's roots there's historical roots here with logan you know like <laughs> yeah he was there when 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 we were at weber state yeah the og days the og days yeah but i i feel like at this point i'm one of the old marvel superheroes that get paid more on the contract even though they have less lines yeah yeah, I, I'm just waiting for the day when you don't want to be in the movies anymore. When you, uh, Robert Downey Jr., this show, hey, it's gonna come. Oh, jeez. <laughs> all right, all yeah, right. I can't. I can't wait to be RDJ either, but for entirely different reasons. 
Damon, you picked the album this week. Do you want to give it a little introduction? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, this, so I don't know if you guys ever get this, but sometimes I'll like just play shuffle on my like hundreds of saved songs. And then it'll just be like this obscure song that I like saved years ago. And like, for some reason, whatever moment I'm listening to it, it just sounds like perfect. And that's what recently happened to me with uh, one of the tracks on this album, the uh, burning. It's the first song in the album. And I don't know. I just have always really been a fan of whitest boy alive, but they're kind of the group where you don't really like necessarily think of them. Like when somebody asks you who your favorite artists are, but like anytime you remember that they exist, you kind of just have to play one of their albums and then like i guess you start forgetting them again but <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're a solid algorithmic friendly uh, band yeah so uh yeah dreams it's a uh, album so what is boy alive is a group from berlin i think mm. and uh yeah i think my fit what like the reason i like this album so much i guess is because i feel like it's pretty much proving that like less can sometimes be a lot more like the setup is just a regular rock and roll setup sometimes it has keyboards sometimes it doesn't sometimes it has like minor changes to the percussion but for the most part it's just a bass a guitar and drums and i think it works out really well and my personal favorite thing about this whole album is the bass lines and i think i don't know i <laughs> i i don't know too much about the band i'll be honest like I've researched them a little bit, but I think just as a standalone album, like as a minimalist, I guess, uh, theme they were going for, I think it works out great. And I don't think there's a single track in this album that I don't like. What would you consider yourself to be a minimalist, Damon? Oh, uh, <laughs> definitely not, <laughs> but I appreciate those who are. <laughs> we're, we're minimalist friendly here. Is that Logan? Is that in the lore? Is that for real? In I've definitely tried to be a minimalist after seeing the absolute state of your guys's basement that we record in, but unfortunately, <laughs> I am also amassing a collection of cables and artwork. Yeah, it happens. I I like the minimalist aesthetic a lot. I like I like it, but I I can only really do it temporarily. Like after so long, I usually end up kind of branching out again, but it'll come in waves. So Damon, I am I am curious though. Um, you said that the bass lines are what was sticking out. That was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Actually, was what is it about this album specifically that makes it stand out to other similar artists in this arena? So I don't know. I don't know how many other minimalist bands I've actually listened to. Like, there's a couple others that come to mind, like uh, maybe Kings of Convenience and a few others. But I think so. I guess like in a regular kind of musical setting, like say, I mean, this is an extreme example, but say like Slipknot, mm. all right? Like somebody, like I'll be listening it like to a Slipknot song and somebody will say like, oh man, listen to that bass. And I'm just like, I cannot hear anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> like I cannot find the bass if I really tried. And what I like about this album in particular is how they like, like you can, like the bass is like almost like cranked up and you can like, very clearly hear it in a lot of the songs and i love personally i think bass riffs make or bass lines make songs great and uh i think it's very easy to hear them and i i wouldn't say they're too unique but the fact that they're like so easy to hear and so 
I guess, appreciated by the band, like makes this album stand out for me. Yeah, no, <clears throat> I felt the same way. I really enjoy a lot of the grooves that they got going. It kind of reminded me of like Wolfpack, some of it. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. It just definitely was uh, driven by the bass guitar. And that was cool. I also like the electronic edge that it had. There's a few bands that I've um, <laughs> honestly discovered very similar in a very similar way to what you describe your experience with finding these guys was um, some that I listened to are uh, say hi to your mom. Have you ever heard of them or uh, uh, islands? They're, they're these bands that just kind of floated into, into uh, algorithmically generated playlist at one <laughs> point I saved a track off. I found it later. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like completely relate with the way you describe your experience of finding this band and, and how you're um, enjoying listening to them right now, kind of like a rediscovery of something that you just kind of thoughtlessly saved off. And honestly, that is kind of what they sound like. (laughs) Yeah. To kind of, to build on that, actually um, it's interesting. Aaron and I usually try not to um, talk about the album at all before the show, but yesterday we had a few passing sentences. We didn't want to taint each other's opinions, but um, just kind of doing a little bit of a vibe check there. And I think Aaron and I actually felt really similarly about the album. I feel like it's, it's a good album. Um, but I do feel like for me, it, it does, um, it's going to be a hard album for me to remember. Um, I, I think that you got to save it, save it now. It, so it comes back later. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's 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 an album that's like okay, like it's pretty good. I, I do agree with you, Damon. I think my favorite track on it was probably "Burning," or that other one that's like "Don't something now, don't something me now." I forgot, but um, those were those were my two favorites, and I feel like that they were good songs. But against the backdrop of a lot of the music that I hear that's similar to this, you know, Aaron very much likes albums and artists that are kind of in this similar vibe. Um, I feel like in comparison, I, it's going to be hard for me to remember. There wasn't as many memorable moments. Um, but I do have to cut him some slack, though, because looking at the the timestamp on this album, it was 2006, which is a while ago. I yeah. mean, yeah. that's 14 years ago, you know? So, I mean, it it may kind of pale in comparison to modern this vibe, but it was 14 years ago. You know, it's true, because it, it, it sounds like a modern indie yeah record exactly yeah. and yeah it sounds like something that was made in like 20 yeah years. exactly and I, I yeah that's a really good comment actually it didn't come out of that world mm-hmm. so logan what are your thoughts i had kind of a different experience than you guys uh so what happened to me damon is i turned this album on I couldn't really get into it. Uh, we talk about this album being full of minimalism. I consider my taste to be mostly maximalist. I like things that hit you with huge walls of sound or at least are bit crushed and smashed together enough that they sound like there's more than three instruments happening at the same time. But I was having some trouble getting into this album until yesterday when I hopped in the car with my brother, who I don't get to share music with very often. That's Brendan. He was on the show. And... He was he passed me the aux cord, metaphorically speaking, because everything's Bluetooth nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah, on your on your new iPhone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, my AirPods. My iPhone actually does have an aux cord. Take one of my AirPods. That's how the cool kids do it. Aux cords oh nowadays. That's the new aux cord. 
And I realized going through the collection of music that I was listening to lately, which was like obscure lo-fi trap, uh, really hardcore vapor noise albums. I realized (laughs) none of this was fun to listen to in the car. And if I showed it to him, he would think it was whack. So then I hop into the old recently played and I think, what can I instantly get that chill vibe with? Mm. And I realized that's the point of the album. When I'm at home listening to my nerd stuff or my loops of Japanese commercials over and over again, that's that's not the time for an album like this. The time for an album like this is I'm about to go on a dog walk during Corona season and I just need something to bump in the car with my bros. And I got to say, I have to agree with you guys. It's those thumping bass lines. They talk about this with early Motown stuff, too, that so many of the songs were so minimal that the bass line provided the catchiness to the song. And you don't normally think of the bass line as a forefront makes a song catchy instrument, especially in metal music like you were talking about with Slipknot. But here, the bass gives the track so much meat, so much pop potential that the guitars are free to go crazy and the vocalist is free to be as apathetic as he wants because the funk is carried in that lower register. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, funk, funk definitely is the 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 life vein of the album, right? Um, just just a, this is kind of an aside here. I don't know, maybe I'm just up in the night, but did anybody get like Kroger brand Red Hot Chili Peppers vibes off of his vocals? <laughs> did, did anybody kind of get that the way he sings? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I was like, "Wow, he's kind of like low key red hot." Yeah, I was in it. I, I, I was. You know, I'm notorious for struggling with the vocals, and I was having yeah. a hard time nailing nailing him down too. I, I, I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing. But the bass, you guys are giving way too much crap. The bass, way too much. Crap. The bass stood out. <laughs> you know, and no, no. Here's the thing, Logan. For real, I think. Uh, I, maybe part of my struggle in approaching this album was that I listened to a lot of music that is very much in this vibe. Mm. Like uh, those albums, those artists I mentioned earlier, um, Islands and Say Hi to Your Mom, almost, I don't know, they're not the exact same, but they mirror this sound very closely. And so when I when I turned it on, I was like, whoa, this this sounds like you know, something that I'm kind of used to and, and you know how it is. Like, it's really hard to break out of that mold of the first artist that you connected with that did a certain vibe. Yeah. And maybe that's part of where my struggle came from. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting though, despite all the funk in here, there were certain moments that kind of felt like they were trying to like with the guitars, like, like you were mentioning Logan, where the bass lays down on the, on the, the bottom and then the guitar kind of was able to just diverge and go on its own journey. Occasionally I heard like kind of guitar lines that sounded mildly like Radiohead to me, which I thought was really strange Mm. in a funk setting. Yeah. I I, I don't know. Like you get up high on the strings and then just kind of let it whine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hmm, that's kind of like, well, uh, there's, it's interesting because it does have a lot of those funk elements that we've been talking about, but like, at the same time, it does have some like um, darker edges to it, like a little bit of a dark twinge, which I think was interesting. I think it was really interesting, actually. Yeah, because funk is like shamelessly soulful. Yeah, and th- and this definitely kind of touched on a realm just a little bit that funk usually doesn't. So, 
I don't know. I that, mean, it's way, it's made by white people, so what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm a sad European that wants to make funk music. What am I supposed those, to do? Those sad Europeans can't do anything without being sad and European. Yeah, that's true. No, but um, let me just backtrack just a second and just kind of um, hit Logan's comment on the head. I, I don't mean to give the album crap. I, I really don't. Um, Kroger brand. Ins- hey, insert Kroger right. brand comment. Okay, forgive me. I, I shouldn't have said Kroger brand. I should have just said a Red Hot Chili Peppers spinoff. Because just the way that his vocal style was, I, it just kept on making me think of him. But then I was like, oh, but it's not him. I don't know why. It, my mind just kept I going I think that there. might come from, I mean, his vocals were very clean. Yeah. They were very clean. I don't Logan, what's your opinion on clean vocals? You like I mean, them. Clean is kind of... a a weird word to describe it like i think the mixing on it is very clean it's very common with this type of aesthetic to filter the voice through that normal compression telephoning effect um and i appreciated that he kept it straightforward because i think it actually appeals to the minimalism of the band um you know damon talked about it's only three guys three instruments and i think the cleanliness of the vocals combined with the apatheticness of the singing uh didn't distract me from the singing in the way that telephoning it would. And while telephoning would maybe give it it more attitude, maybe, you know, more of a out there spirit. I I don't know. The the thing that I take issue with, with you guys talking about the vocals on this album is that (laughs) these are exactly the type of vocals that everybody likes to say, Oh, they're just off brand joy division. Oh, they're just off brand Beck. Like no, literally every European apathetic white boy sings this way. They all sound the same and they're all pretty much equally talented. This is garbage. So you guys coming forward and saying like, Eh, knock off Kroger brand. What are you talking about? Logan, <laughs> Logan, defend the voice to me then. Don't, yeah. don't just tear down my point. Actually give me points. Like what, what, <laughs> what makes this voice so good then? Here's the deal. When you come forward with this minimalist chill wave stuff, an apathetic voice that's kind of 80% on the notes and 80% on the enunciation is a perfect pairing for that chill out vibe. I don't know why we need to get so deep into the weeds and say like, why does this guy not sound as good as this band that has literally a 4.5 on rate your music? It's like, <laughs> Jake, the the level that I'm coming at is that the vocals perfectly suit the track and so everybody wasn't such an elitist about minimalist music. You're you're essentially saying, Logan, you're essentially okay. saying that we should settle for generic. Oh no. Is that is that what is that what your point is? That it's the generic, oh, it's what fits this vibe, therefore it's good. Is the, is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that there's so much more to attract than the vocalist. And by harrowing in Until on like it's Steven. Ah, Kroger, and then you guys call it red pop hot wall chili paper. peppers. <laughs> oh, oh, I it's would a never forget that. Combination of elements. Steven, Steven flashbacks. How are you going to handle that one, Logan? Yeah. So l- let's take this back to Steven for a second, right? It wasn't about the vocals until we listened to Steven either. No, but... Uh, to remember, I did criticize Steven's vocals because I wasn't into them, but the foremost thing I criticized about Steven was bringing the future-based pop sound and not innovating with it. That it that it came across as pop wallpaper, and the vocals were a part of that mixture, but the so, vocals but, were not my main criticism. But what if those vocals fit the vibe, quote? Well, you can fit the vibe of generic future-based pop 
And it, if I don't like the vibe of generic future bass pop, then I can be mad at the vocals, too. I'm just going to say it. I think we're learning something about Logan right now. What's that? Logan wants things to fit where they belong. Oh, I could see that. Stay in your lane. Yeah, no, he, he 100%. You know, yeah. why are we surprised by this? He wants to live his life in a spreadsheet. He's admitted this on the air. <laughs> so he he's just saying that Steven should have been doing more vocal chops, been more traditional future bass. And he's saying that right here, Whitest Boy Alive, they're doing their job. Mm. I, I mean, Interesting. Damon, sh- surely you get where I'm coming from if you've listened to this album a number of times. Like, you oh, listen- yeah. yeah, go ahead. It, it fits. Like, throughout the whole album, I don't think the singer's name is Erland Oye. Oh, nice. I nice. I, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a really, it's got like this circle with like the slash. He'll, he'll, he'll have to correct us later when he listens to this and, yep. and he has lots to say. So my, like, I think the vocals work perfectly. Like I think throughout the whole album, he never really like raises his voice at all. Like he stays, he stays at like the same like volume and the same, like he never takes it up a notch. He never like tunes it down like, not to say that it's like bland, like emotionless singing, but I do think it fits the instruments perfectly. Like he's never screaming. He's always like singing. Like you can tell he like is passionate about what he does, but he doesn't do anything that wouldn't make sense musically in this album. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can appreciate it for that, from that perspective. I, I, I see what you guys are saying and I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I think the the problem is and i and i hate to go here one more time but the problem with doing that is you can lose memorability and that's what that's my main complaint about this album yeah but then you save it and it shows back up <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's that, where we yeah. started that's, that's where we that's the, where we started the beautiful like button yeah the thing the thing about this album is like it's not the kind of thing like i have some albums where like probably once every couple months, like I just have to go back and listen to them. Like there's a couple albums out there that like are so good. Like I frequently listen to them mm-hmm. and they never get old for this one. Like it, it's a setting for me. Like I think whenever I'm on a hike and they show up in my shuffled songs that I'm like, man, like this fits. Amen on that. I, I see that. It, but like, as far as like me sitting in my room, like just chilling, you know, like I've been doing the past couple weeks, like, I, I kind of want something a little more exciting, but I think they're a very like specialized setting band, which I appreciate. And also as a side note, so I think their last full album was in like 2009 and they actually just released a single like this year, like, wow. And so that's kind of why I also wanted to choose this album. Cause I don't know if, they might be coming back. Bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? If there's anyone that can bring them back. It's it's the Nitwicks. Yep. <laughs> we have nice. a talent for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a great album. I recommend giving it a spin. Um, I think we, I, we honestly covered the angles. I, I, I'm in agreement generally with what was said. At least understanding uh, the different perspectives. Yeah. Um, I definitely kind of want to hack into logan's brain a little bit so that's where we're going to pass the show (laughs) music as an art form is essentially playful we say you play the piano you don't work the piano why so music philosophy uh just talking about that album it it 
and and that conclusion there about logan wanting things to fit in the right place i just can't help but bring it up like i think that that there definitely is an attitude out there that doing something outlandish something that breaks the mold inherently is creative um but we're we're making an argument here this episode so far that the whitest boy alive by staying in their lane and doing exactly what they're out to do actually are demonstrating some creative maturity so i don't know what are your guys's opinion on opinions on that like listen listening to japanese vapor noise is that inherently a creative move who's answering this <laughs> I, i'm i'm uh, <laughs> i'm a little nervous to get out here on this <laughs> had to be done, done so can you can you can you restate like the actual yeah so the question, question being time? you know is just breaking the mold creative or, or is staying in your lane actually a creative move? Okay. I, All I right. got, I'll, I'll take this oh, one first. If you guys hit okay it, Damon. All right. So I think I'm going to go talk about the pixies oh, now because they're one of my favorites, but so they have released since the, their last good album, I think, which was in 1991, <laughs> three, <laughs> three bad albums. Like, I think like starting in like 2013 or 14 and then they had one last year and my biggest complaint with those three albums and why I genuinely despise all three of them is because the singer Frank Black plays it safe like so Pixies are well known for like their very sonic like edgy sound I guess and for some reason he just sings like maybe his voice is demolished there's that factor as well but the way he sings in the latest albums are very just monotone. Like he sings like the whitest boy alive, I guess. And I think for a genre that the Pixies like kind of like almost like surf, surf rock punk mixture, I guess is what I'd consider the genre. It just doesn't work at all. And I think as far as like staying in your lane, I think artists should be able to creatively experiment. But I think, there's definitely a line where it just doesn't work. Like, I think I would really appreciate the Pixies latest albums if they had like, cause the instruments are still there. I think the production quality, I think is a little too good as well. But anyway, I think <laughs> the singing and like the, like the, like the vocals really take away from a lot of it. And I think maybe they were trying to go experimental, but it just did not work at all. And not like the Pixies are the only bad example of this. I think most, like 90s rock bands any of their latest stuff i think a lot of it is the vocals and i think how they've changed the vocals and i don't know that's what i yeah think. it's interesting because you you're entertaining both camps right now yeah because you love you love the pixies for 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 being out there but it, you know in the in when they started they were indulgently so that's what they were out to do and they yeah. and and as time's gone on they've kind of in their minds that's the funniest thing because the same thing happened to beck i think in his mind he's being so experimental right now but he's just making the most generic music i've ever heard i'm like well maybe like your brain is the reverse of the rest of us so being insanely out there i'm sure they think it's good (laughs) but being insanely out there and just breaking the mold is actually just writing Kmart pop you know what i mean so it's like it's kind of weird that happens to certain artists but so on one side you're 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 entertaining the pixies and then you got the whitest boy alive and you're you're defending both of them 
but I, I think it, it probably has to do with creative intention from the beginning, you know, where they started from and they they were both doing clearly what they were out to do at the beginning. And I, I, I think that's a fair point. Cause I think, I think with now, the 60s, like their visual aesthetic has remained the same throughout their whole career, but their musical, like, I guess direction has changed drastically. And I think that's why yeah. it doesn't work. Cause they're not doing anything. Cause the thing about that too, is they're not doing anything that hasn't already been done. You know, like as far as like the Pixies last album, like it just wasn't anything that only the Pixies could do, I guess. Like it's a very generic rock. Yeah. And like, it's not, it's not specialized to them. And I think that's why it just doesn't work. And as far as singers, like, and vocals, I guess, is, like, if it's not something that, like, doesn't work indigenously to your group, I think maybe it's not in the right direction. Like, with Beck, like, that's not something only Beck could do. But for some of his earlier albums, like, that is a, like, very indigenous sound. Like, that's something only he could do. Like, I guess, Loser, like, that's a song that's, like, very unique in its yeah. own way. And that's all attributed to back being back. Well, where my mind goes with this is like just listening to Damon, like I guess in the question you're talking about creativity, right? And I guess you have to define what creativity means in this context because yes, doing something in your words, quote outlandish is creative. By definition, inherently, they're, they're doing something. I don't, I don't know. They're if it doing is. something that hasn't been done before. That is not what outlandish means. Well, and if you're doing that, you're inherently creating something new. Therefore, creativity. Uh, I, I personally, now speaking from my angle about what I think about this, I think that you can be doing something that's never been done before and be terribly uncreative. <sighs> I think it's not that it's not being creative. It's that it's, you just don't like it. It's just not good. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, to me to create is to, in some form, have a preconception of a a target that you're going for and then achieve it. Okay. Hold on. I, maybe I'm seeing where our overlap is. Maybe you're saying, oh, okay. You know what? I, I can actually see the connection here. It, it, going back to the Beck example, you were saying, well, modern Beck, he thinks he's being creative, but the thing is, is he's being creative for him. Yeah. Right. And in that sense, yeah, you're right. It's not, I guess, creativity. It's, it's something new for him. It's not necessarily creative. So it doesn't mean every time an artist makes him quote outlandish move, it means they're creative. It means, I guess, they're creative for them. I want to call They're like changing their previous. Yeah. I guess idea about like, cause with muse, like with this simulation theory, Oh boy. That oh boy. is so unlike them, but it's pretty like highly regarded as bad by everybody. And just cause it's new to them doesn't mean it's new at mm-hmm. all. Like it's not, it's, it's fallout boy. Yeah. Much. And like, that's, it's not something that hasn't been done before. And it's not something that muse is like great at doing either. I yeah. guess uh, I, I have to call out a meme here and this call out is definitely going to get Logan barking. Oh boy. Um, I, all I have to say is like, there's the meme out there that if, if I just sit by myself or a, even better around people, 
and I just turn on things that they've never heard or experienced before, like, you know, Japanese vapor noise, then yeah. I am I'm flexing a level of creative superiority. Oh, yeah. Just because who who does that, right? So inherently, by listening to trains slow down with with <laughs> whatever else they're going to put on top of it, I, I, I'm more creative than somebody else. I mean, can we just debunk that right now? Or I, I definitely want to hear Logan defend himself. <laughs> like, like, don't conflate it. Like, I am a pretentious person in general, <laughs> and I don't really know how to unwire that out of my brain. But, like, I legitimately enjoy listening to the Japanese vapor noise, to the slowed down train vibrations. Like, that is auditorially interesting to me and my brain in whatever pretentious way it's wired. But, you know, this this point about whether you have to innovate or whether is recording the train vibrations innovative. Sure. Do I also agree with Aaron's point that um, does it make you better than other artists that you recorded train vibrations? No, I think uh, ideas are practically meaningless. And the only reason you should ever expose your creative ideas is is to see people that more or less identify aesthetically with those ideas. Hold, and what hold. I mean by that is if you are the type of person that is interested in vaporwave or is interested in minimalist rock like Whitest Boy Alive, the way you brand yourself, the way you sound, those are your creative ideas. Everything beyond that is your execution. You draw people in with the way that you look, but the the thing that matters most, first and foremost, is your execution of those ideas. Oh, that valid I, I, I don't know actually there, I, I have one lingering question I, it's not necessarily to with it, that. it's not necessarily an attack it's a question um what do you mean by ideas are meaningless like that's a pretty big statement and i'm just a little curious could you expand on that just a bit yeah i i hope i'm in the mental state where i can explain what i mean by that um <laughs> the corona the the goal of it is basically this, like if you choose to become a hardcore punk artist, then there's plenty that you can do within the hardcore punk scene without bringing any quote unquote new ideas to it, uh, especially with this minimal minimalist rock genre. I think the reason you guys are being so hard on Whitest Bo Boy Alive is because you consume a lot of music in this genre. But I think what gets undervalued, especially for new artists and even for major label artists, is this meme that they need to innovate, that they need to be different, that they need to bring something totally fresh to the table. And that's what I mean by ideas are meaningless, because that fresh to the table means absolutely nothing as soon as you realize how much room in the genre you actually have to play around in. You can make rap that sounds like generic rap, but it can happen to be really good rap without, quote, bringing new ideas to the table. You yeah. know what I mean? I, yeah. I think this whole innovation is a meme, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's I, not a it's not a meme. No, think, by no means. You got to hold somebody's got to hold Logan accountable for no, some of the things no, he says. No, I because I, I it's think, not. I think a, I agree with you. Him. Think innovation is a meme. <laughs> think about that sentence. <laughs> no, in the sense that he was talking about innovation. The okay. Idea, the, uh, okay. It, it is a meme that I have to innovate in order to piss. <laughs> in order Syrupist. to participate in that climate that's a meme who it's just like, mm. it's like the generic like creative process 
like sentence is like you have to do something no one else has done before but it's like is so that does this throw out our true? whole theory like, about first and famous then no through first and famous no no no. i don't think because so. how were they first how were they well, first so let's let's not at all discount the fact that there are people that do innovate and people that are movers and shakers in the music industry and the way they usually do that is just by making the type of stuff they're interested in and then other people happening to think that it's cool yep. so i i have no issue with this first and famous theory because it still totally applies there's still going to be kids in tennessee that come up with a sound that everybody's going to be obsessed with someday that's fine what i'm saying is as an artist or holding established artists to this idea that they have to innovate that they have to bring something fresh to the table that's where i think the meme line gets drawn mm. it's not at never innovate it's at don't hold people to the standard of you have to innovate all the time yeah. there's 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 so much room for creativity without bringing new ideas you yeah, know I, I we've kind of indirectly hit on this before and i think jake you've even weighed in uh pro this whole idea where it's not about breaking the mold it's not about creating something new it's like honestly you look at film right now you look at a lot of what's done with video i mean damon last week was talking about how uh his interest in audio is more to, to just per participate in the community than create i mean backing down completely from the idea of making music just because there is so much happening it all boils down to aesthetics yeah and i i think that's just a reality yeah and, and we're kind of having to face that right now as we're 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 now dealing with this oversaturation of media media we're, we're we're realizing that oh man maybe it really is just about identifying with the aesthetics of a thing whether it was done a million times or not what's this person's take on that aesthetic mm. i like that point actually a I lot think, yeah and as soon as people who have been so loyal to that aesthetic try to go away from it that's when we get things like simulation theory mm. And I think that's when fans no longer appreciate what that musical artist is doing because it doesn't really work, I guess. Or I mean, not, but I guess it's not what people are used to hearing from somebody who did something so well, I guess. I actually kind of liked simulation theory. I just want to put that out there. Logan, you <laughs> can just... We, we got to listen to the show's producers more often and just get Logan off the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You're a sellout. That's it. You know, the case closed. Sell out of the week. Oh, man. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who's up. Logan? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've okay. Been, I've been thinking about one. I don't know if I, like, knew I was going to do this segment, but I had been thinking about one for the future. Yeah, let's hear it. All right, here we go. And maybe I've brought him up before, but I think... I think I finally had a realization about why he is the way he is. Back in the day, before rap became this commercially accepted thing that everybody just happened to be into regardless of what ethnicity or social <laughs> class you were, uh, everybody used to make fun of a man known as Lil Wayne because oh. they would listen to his music, they'd hear his high squeaky smoker voice over uh, looped instrumentals and they would point their privileged fingers and they would say that's not music y'all know what i'm talking about back yeah. before rap was actually cool oh yeah oh yeah there there used to be just such this 
flood of people that would criticize mostly Lil Wayne for some reason. Like, I think Wu-Tang had respect in the underground, but like, what is this kid all about? So being the contrarian that I am, I naturally got into Lil Wayne and became one of his biggest fans that year. That year? That year, pretty much. <laughs> like, the, the first year that I heard criticism of like, that's not music was the year that I got into Lil Wayne. That's just how I'm wired. Yeah, no, I uh, love it. I love it about you. <laughs> it's just how it be. Um, and the deal with Lil Wayne is that he is a fantastically talented lyricist. Uh, he's he's very explicit. He doesn't shy away from talking about pretty much anything, even if it's shocking, but not in an Eminem way. Whereas Eminem would go out of his way to be edgy. Lil Wayne just kind of grew up on the streets and used whatever he could as a reference to make his rhymes better. And I think... If there's one difference between uh, early Eminem and early Lil Wayne and why Eminem has aged slightly worse, it's that Eminem has tried to maintain the edgy, whereas Lil Wayne was never attempting to be edgy in the first place. Nice. He just was. Agreed. So what happened to Lil Wayne? Well, first he kissed Birdman on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't really know what happened from there because he went from being... This underdog in the rap game that was also still on top at the same time uh, in the local communities that really valued lyricism to what I can only describe as just choosing corporate life over music. Whereas before it was all about the streets, it was all about the coolest rhymes and cultural references that he could make. It slowly became about his business. So he started Young Money Cash Money Records, which is famously corrupt and the reason I follow their contracts so closely is because Drake has been trying to escape it for 10 years now. Um, <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> he took a whole bunch of artists under his wing and he started featuring on them, giving them the clout that they needed to eventually start making money for him. So we see this rise of Lil Wayne as this underdog, cutesy rap star to a guy that is starting to put the underground cutesy rap stars on the map to make money for him. Hmm. If I look at this from a corporate perspective, this is brilliant. He's leading, he's uh, giving his clout to the younger artists so that way they can go forward, make their albums and make him money on his label. But then what happens when Lil Wayne fans, instead of just accepting that he's a corporate official now, instead of a real rapper, keep demanding albums from him. He makes garbage albums. That's not what he does anymore. You come out with the Carter... Uh, oh, geez, I forget what number it is. The Carter 5, I think, which was his most recent project. And all over, we talk about features being the number one sign that somebody's about to sell out. You see that X, you see that Juice World, you see the young <laughs> bands, a whole bunch of modern SoundCloud rappers. And that's because I'm, I'm peering into his brain right now, which is soaked with codeine, as it always is. <laughs> and I'm seeing... This album is a business move. It's yeah. like Jack and Jill, uh, that Adam Sandler movie. Like, <laughs> this, this album is just meant to give money to his friends. And, and I call him a sellout, but I don't even hate it at this point. Because if you're still listening to Lil Wayne, that you haven't realized that he's undergone this metamorphosis where he's an investor now. And I, and I hate it 
because it means that we can't get that old Wayne energy. But I'm not going to be the guy that holds a boomer rapper to this high, high standard of always being young and full of life. Didn't you say that uh, Jay-Z gave that advice to young rappers to kind of invest in the industry? He did, uh, but less in the industry and more in like real estate and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Jay-Z's, Jay-Z's get yourself is- like your own uh, uh, car lot. Yeah. <laughs> Little Uzi Vert. Go for it right now. <laughs> He should. No, Jay-Z's advice is really interesting. Like, he does advocate giving to the community, but I don't know if Jay-Z thinks that the rap game is necessarily the best investment, uh, because historically he does way more with, uh, like, products and brands and real estate and arts than he does with the actual rap game. But we're we're seeing this generation right now of... Uh, labels, specifically Young Money, and there's one other one that I'm not thinking of right now. Shady Records, I think, Eminem's label is doing the same thing too, where all these artists are in slave contracts because Eminem and Lil Wayne are just trying to keep their nest egg going Hmm. while still making albums. Yeah. It's a messy thing, that that whole rap community. (laughs) There's a lot of ideas floating around out there. Yeah, uh, and like, I, I want to be clear, if I was a 40-year-old guy in the rap industry, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, but like, I mean, that, isn't that just like a sad way to end that whole empire? Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, it just leads to it's pretty, business. It's pretty... Well, as opposed to what? Become a dad rapper or overdose and die? Or just... Yeah. Or just... Valid points right there. Valid points. Or... Or you can take the mature route and stop. (laughs) (laughs) He should stop, but hey, it's free money. Uh, Yeah. That's that's my man, Lil Wayne. I mean, we had a good time when we were both young and and wanting to offend people, but (laughs) we're both old. We're both old now. Oh, dude, 22, don't There's even. There's no question that dubious music and movies are affecting <laughs> I'm 23. children. Of all oh, yeah, that's right. The hip-hop industry makes billions putting out stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're, like- you're old. Ah, yeah! We're in that six months of the year, Logan, where you're, where you're older than me. By, yeah. By the so year break. Rare, rare time. By the year break, yeah. Music news. Okay. Um, ah. <sighs> I'm going to keep doing this until the producers of the show kick me off. <laughs> I'm bringing up my boy it, Skrill it, again. It's it's going to be sooner than you think. Okay. The, the producers are not happy these days. <laughs> it's just going to be Damon doing a solo show. <laughs> after 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 I uh dropped name dropped Weezer two weeks in a row, it you know, Shoot, they I want to kick you off the show. <laughs> We're Yeah, so anyway, I okay. I am going here again, and I know I go here all the time, but I'm serious. I just have to give him a spotlight real quick. Skrillex is handling Corona Chan better than any artist in the world. All right? It's true. It really is. So here's here's what he's doing, okay? He's been dormant for a while. He's been releasing some remixes and singles over the last couple of years. He hasn't done a formal project, a formal album since... Uh, Jack U and Recess, which was 2015. Okay, so he hasn't done a formal album in like five years. Um, But when this Corona stuff started, he started live streaming on on Instagram, okay, of him making music and stuff. 
And now what he's doing is he's going to Twitch. He's moving over to Twitch so that people can donate. And all of his donations go to helping relieve the Corona Chan situation. So, I mean, he's not... I mean, he's making music and he's helping the situation simultaneously. And uh, that's awesome. And he has a really cool uh, live streaming personality. He's really timid. Yeah, he like, is. Like, it's fun to watch him. Uh-huh. Like, I love that. Really fun to watch him. He's like, don't you love that? Like, the biggest metalheads and the people that make the biggest, nastiest synthesizers you've ever heard. They're just like these people that, like, are uncomfortable in their skin. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. it, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> it It is awesome. I'm surprised you didn't bring up uh, Oliver Tree. Uh, well... I haven't finished yet now, have I? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to shed a tear real quick on the air for my boy Oliver Tree. <laughs> you're not, oh, you're my You're not gosh. actually crying. Uh, the no. producers yep. are going to be upset. You're lying to the fans again. <laughs> okay. Stare into the light until they start to water, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but legit. Like, this is so sad, but it also um, is interesting as all get out i am loving watching this happen because who no matter what happens now at this point oliver's fan base is split already <laughs> oh no already oh, no um, i mean yes good <laughs> okay so all three million of them so yeah all three million so um which is totally big time no but um <laughs> let, let's just put Logan, it- did you hear that sarcasm <laughs> Three million. Um, okay. Let me let me get to the root of my point here. Oliver says I have more vision for this project. I don't want to do it under current circumstance. Sorry, the album's not coming out, and then insert tons of brutal sarcasm here. Okay, that's what he does. Um his fan base immediately splits. A whole bunch of people are now saying, dude, even after this, I can't support Oliver anymore. This is not cool. This is the worst possible time he could be doing this. We're already all suffering. Like, I'm against Oliver now. And then there's the elitist fans that are like, ha, all of these kids, they were never real fans because they never knew that Oliver, what Oliver was made of. And it's getting wider and wider. And it is amazing to watch. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I just have to admit, Logan... I think we're verifying some theories we had on this guy. Like that was a big move to be that cynical and sarcastic about Corona in, in real time. I mean, pretty bold move. Yep. I mean, my, my perspective on it is pretty much like Oliver tree, love him or hate him is an artist of spectacle is an artist of over the top, high budget, popularity, everything. So the two fronts that I can understand him on is if he wants to drop the real debut album and he wants to do a crazy tour with it, now's not the time to do that for obvious Corona Chan related reasons. And furthermore, uh, like is right now the best time to have a music video where you're throwing money everywhere and is obviously expensive. But <laughs> yeah. well, let's let's just be if honest with ourselves for king. a second. Like <laughs> Oliver Tree is not an artist for these re- hard times. Pretty much, nobody wants to see him be uh, outrageous and wacky and blow money everywhere. Uh, like was his aesthetic. Now, 
because of circumstances. So it, honestly, if I were him and I had a very specific vision for the type of content or even touring that I wanted to surround a debut album, I'd cancel my career too and just focus on something else. Like, yeah. People don't want Oliver Tree right now, except for these obvious hardcore fans. Yeah, yeah. bring bring back uh, Chris Martin and that acoustic guitar. Yeah, we need we need, we need the, where, where's Lifehouse right now? Where's the fray? Oh man, like we, it, we need that two thousands piano core. I I don't want to say that there's not room for having a fun time. I'm just saying that Oliver Tree's extravagance is not going to be in demand right now. That's a good diagnosis, Man, dude. I, I, agree. I don't even know if I'm like bold enough to ask the question, but do you think what Oliver Tree was built on was the 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 mirage of what we had, you know, just a few weeks ago? And do you think how long do you think it's going to be until we have that mirage again? <laughs> like is he not the pinnacle of just explicit over the top foundational list music there's no foundation yeah. beneath this and and right now we need foundation and how long will it be like that i think that cycle takes a long time yeah i mean you're essentially asking me when i think the whole pandemic craze will be over and i'm not a doctor and i will uh unlike the other things i pretend to be on air i won't pretend to be that so so <laughs> logan logan when are we gonna be able to go back out into the general public business as usual we, we want a day dude <laughs> Oh, geez. Easter. Uh, but <laughs> the point is that everybody thought that 2020 was going to be just a continuation of this big upward movement that we've seen forever. And especially in music, like we had rappers going out and making these other high budget, insane music videos like pop. Pop is one genre that's done it for a long time. But the deal is everybody was caught off guard by this pretty much. Yeah. And yep. It, to say that it's a mirage would be a lie, because if something like this hadn't happened, then there's no reason to believe that things wouldn't have changed. But the deal is, with circumstances like these, is that people don't see them coming. Yeah. And so I, I'm tempted to not even call it a mirage, because it was very real. We I, were going to keep doing better. We just got randomly screwed, like sometimes the human race will. Yeah, I guess I could only say mirage within perspective of, like, the past century. You know, if, if you lived 100 years you would have probably looked at the 2010s and been like, yeah, that can't be forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and certainly like part of what I ex like about Skrillex too is now he's bringing electronic music to people that sit in their bedrooms all day, which yeah. is how I experienced EDM music. So like there is going to be this paradigm shift. And I, I don't want to say like, if you're an artist who wants to have their artistic message be extravagant, that you'll never come back. But I'm saying that people are definitely going to be wary of that for quite a bit longer. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what it's going to look like for Oliver Tree to come back. Yeah, it's going to be actually really fun yeah, to watch. Well, he put a time. He's a prophet. You know, he, he threw down five <laughs> to ten years. He said five to ten years. The Mirage is back, boys. That's actually what he said. He said and five in ten, to ten years. We'll reboot the people versus Oliver Tree. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. See you, Nitwicks in ten. <laughs> All right, it's bop of the week. Uh, who starts? It's always a question. We don't know who starts. <laughs> who starts? You guys know I'm not going to say it. Damon, who starts? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm racking my brain. Like I feel like we usually start with one person. <laughs> yeah, but this show is just always so spontaneous. Who who could it be? 
we have no patterns whatsoever. Hmm. Jake, why don't you All right, start? J- Jake, uh, just because, you if know. There's, if, you if there's no other option, I will. Um... All right, I'm joining the algorithm core today. Oh, um, nice! It's it's the week to do it. Yep, it's the week <laughs> to do it. Um, this is definitely a artist that I found through algorithm search uh, surfing. But you know what? They're sticking right now really hard. Actually, he's sticking right now really hard. I'm a big fan. R- pretty much right off the bat, um, his name is. And those of you who algorithms surf, you're probably going to be with me in like two seconds. His name is Garden. Um, he does Garden, Garden but it's uh. it's spelled as in G-U-A-R-D-I-N, like guarding, but he makes it sound like Garden. Ah. Um. So he is just a little emotional boy that does um, <laughs> <laughs> that does. A whole bunch of like emo. I don't actually want to say that. Let's see. He does a whole bunch of soft boy sad trap. Um, that's kind of for the uh, public eye. Okay, and um, he he has a track that's called "Alone in the Attic," and I have been bumping that track literally all week. It is so good. It's just like his vocals are just kind of weird. And the song just has this beat that is just like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you just feel it. Like I just, oh, I love yeah. it. And so, anyways, um, it kind of got me onto a kick. Um, I, I'm spiraling down what Logan calls um teardrop core. Teardrop core. And uh, I'm there, baby, right now. And I've been going pretty ham on this. And so, anyways, it's a good track. If you like soft boy sad trap, give this a try. Alone in the attic by Garden. It's pretty good. And that's nice. what I've yeah, been bumping. Teardrop Core is somehow the most overrated genre and still really underrated right now. Yeah. I'm a fan, dude. Damon, what do you got? All right. So I'm still on my 90s rap. Oh, swing. yeah. It's a, it's a great place and to be. <laughs> still, still Tribe Called Quest. I know I did Deltron uh, 3030 last week, but no, I've been... I listened to all of Tribe Called Quest's albums consecutively this week, and I decided that Midnight Marauders is my favorite one. Oh, yeah. So good. And my favorite my favorite track, it's probably going to change in like a week or whatever, but my favorite track right now is We Can Get Down. I don't know. It's. I think it just like kind of captures that 90s essence, just the, you know, sampled but acoustic drum noises and like just i don't know just the rhymes like the actual rhymes and the actual like not like speed rapping like eminem or somebody would do but just like small like not slow but like mid-tempo smooth rhymes with a great beat and i think we can get down is a great track for that don't mess with q-tips flow eminem Back but, off. Oh my god. Q-Tip has a flow. Lo, uh, real quick. Yeah, two, he, he really yo, does. two seconds. Did you hear the Q-Tip feature on Eminem's new album, Damon? Uh, I did spare, not. I didn't even... Uh, spare, spare yourself. Spare yourself. Don't listen it, to it. <laughs> it never happened. Never happened. Yeah, never never happened. happened. Yeah, never happened. I can't... I, for the record, I can't say uh, the name of my favorite track on Midnight Marauders, if that's any hint towards... Oh, geez, <laughs> so, Aaron. It, 
so good, man. Not, so good. That is such a good song. <gasps> All right, Logan. All right. I mean, jeez. I uh, I guess Bop of the Week is all about what weird kick we happen to be on at the time. And for me, it's definitely got to be getting back into City Girl. Uh, normally, I feed my addiction of harsh, angry music by driving to work every morning. But now that I sit around my house all day, uh, nobody is appreciative of that, especially my brain when I'm trying to get actual work done. So I have fallen back hard in love with one city girl uh, who sort of accidentally was my top artist of both the past two years. Uh, (laughs) I really don't know what's happening. Like, I do like her, uh, but somehow she just always ends up as the most played. And it's the classic track, the one that got me into it, called Nobody featuring Maru. Uh, and like, I hate to use the words chill vibe, so I'm absolutely not going to use the words chill vibe. (laughs) I I will say with City Girl that there is a level of beauty in her music that is not like normal lo-fi hip-hop, or not cliche like normal lo-fi hip-hop. Uh, if you turn on the 24-7 chilled cow radio stations, or if you have good taste, the ambition radio stations, um... (laughs) The generic beauty of lo-fi music, just kind of the cheap Disney samples, that's the best way that I can think to describe it. Of most of those tracks, kind of wears thin on me. And the thing I love about City Girl's music is that she brings an urban modernity to lo-fi hip-hop, whereas most of the time it is all about, ah, let's sample something from the 50s for the 90 billionth time. Uh <laughs> So I, I definitely love it. It's much more of an acoustic, more songwriting-focused take, and I am excited to share this patrician taste in lo-fi hip-hop with everybody. Wow. I liked it until you said patrician. This this <laughs> playlist. Yo, Damon, you got to get on our playlist, too. Oh, yeah. Now, now, now that the, the, the producer has spoken, you know. Yeah, dude, when you hit shuffle on this thing, you're not going to know where you are or what hit you. <laughs> it's positively so, uh, schizophrenic. this week man seriously somebody needs to get me off this show no (laughs) no potentially depending on who you are worse oh nice that wasn't me man it wasn't me either i'm not complaining though like (laughs) is nate in the room okay guys you caught me i just wanted some attention (laughs) you got it guys i'm about to announce my track you chastised uh, brendan when he did the same thing (laughs) (laughs) no uh i've been trying to keep it positive and uh my bop's been soak up the sun by cheryl crow Mm. cheryl crow that's a first (laughs) (laughs) i'm not even kidding either guys i'm not even kidding of all the people to add to the nitwit canon aaron I'm sorry. Yep, it's been done now. Can't it's shot over the radio waves. That that song's genius, though. Like, I, speaking of like, you know how Damon introduced the album this week, where he said he just heard it and he's like, "How have I not heard this before?" Like, that was me when this song came on. Maybe it's just all the Corona Chan, and I just felt it. But like that song came on, and I was like, "Yeah, that is a real bop." Nice. That's Cheryl good, dude. Bro. Hey man, live let live, huh? <laughs> uh I'm I'm excited to try it. Yeah. Uh solid week. We all survived. Things continue to get more intense, but we're still here. We still here. After Cheryl Crow. It, Aaron, do you want the show to just be Damon and the Kiwi? 
We can we can just <laughs> brand the show as Damon and the Kiwi. For real, we should just give the show to Jova. You know, what would be, Damon. It would actually be really funny to do that one episode. That's even a great just, title. <laughs> Jovan and Damon. <laughs> For real though, like at the rate I'm going, you know, I'm going to get fired. Producer's hey, going to kick all of us off. <laughs>